This week's episode is brought to you by the Let's Catch Up podcast. This is Let's Catch Up. I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. Do you need a dose of hilarity in your life? Look no further. Join us, Jay and Kay, as we take you on a rip-tickling roller coaster through the ups and downs of married life, family antics, and everything in between. Strap in for unforgettable stories, uproarious banter, and our unique take on life's quirks. Jay and Kay are here to tickle your funny bone and brighten your day. Don't miss a moment of the laughter. Subscribe to Let's Catch Up today and let the good times roll. Welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature, and Storytelling Hello, Saf Big here. As a podcast host and producer, I am always on the lookout to add more music and sound effects into my podcast episodes. However, with copyright always on my mind, I needed a source where I can turn to which would solve this problem for me, which is when I found Thematic. Thematic provides copyright-free music and sound effects for all your podcast episodes, YouTube videos, and social media accounts, and more. With three levels of access to fit your needs, including no sign-on fee and a popular free level, a quick search feature, and featuring artists such as The Aces, Hoax, and Landon Cube, Thematic is the one source you should turn to. Visit Thematic at hellothematic.com. That again is H-E-L-L-O-T-H-E-M-A-T-I-C dot com. Thematic music and sound effects for all creator platforms. Hello all, Saf Big here. As you listen to my podcast, I would hope that you would make a donation, if possible, to the Palestine Children's Relief Fund or the PCRF, ENERA, the American Near East Refuge Aid, or Medical Aid for Palestinians. In these trying times, it is necessary for everyone to do what they can. Even if it's a little bit, it helps. Thank you. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. That is in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we continue the story of the tailor in Night 30 and begin the story of the barber's story of himself and the barber's story of his first brother in Night 31. As you go through this story, which is hilarious due to the actions and characteristics of the barber himself, you can note how he portrays himself to how he actually is, especially when he claims to be a man of little speech. The story of the first brother focuses on the actions of a lovesick man who falls for a married woman and how they deal with his feelings. Although it is meant to be a humorous tale, the actions of all characters in the first brother stories are downright mean sometimes. 
It should be noted that the presence of the Khalif, this time Al-Muntasir Billah, reigned 861-862 to CE, clearly mark this tale as being created or at least written down a good time after the death of the Khalif Harun al-Rashid and is clearly a later story included in the 1001 Nights. Finally, a note of housekeeping. The numerical symbols on the titles will now be in Arabic characters rather than Roman characters. This is due to the finicky and complicated nature of the Roman numbers themselves. The back catalogue will be updated going forward to adapt to this change. Auzubillah min shaitan nirajim bismillahirrahman nirrahim In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. Praise be to God, the beneficent King, the creator of the universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars and spread out the earth as a bed. And blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad Wasallam, and his family. Blessings and peace enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others and take warning, and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after. And of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations. Sherzad continued. There now remained to the appointed time three hours, and he threw the razor from his hand in anger, and taking the astrolabe, went again to observe the sun. I want to be in no doubt about that. Rather, I would like to know the time exactly, for guesswork leads to shame, especially in the case of a man like me, whose merits are clear and celebrated among the people. I cannot speak by conjecture, as the common run of astrologers do. Then, after he had waited a long time, he returned, saying, There remains to the hour of prayer three hours, neither more nor less. For the sake of Allah, said I, be silent, for thou hast crumpled my liver. I implore you in Allah's name, I said, don't speak to me, you have broken my heart. And thereupon he took the razor and sharpened it as he had done the first time and shaved another portion of my head. Then, stopping again, he said, I am in anxiety on account of thy hurry. If thou wouldest acquaint me with the cause of it, it would be better for thee, for thou knowest that thy father used to do nothing without consulting me. Then he said, I am worried by your hastiness. If you told me the reason for it, it would be better for you, since you know that your father and your grandfather never did anything except on my advice. I perceived now that I could not avoid his importunity and said within myself, The time of prayer is almost come, and I desire to go before the people come out from the service. If I delay a little longer, I know not how to gain admission to her. I therefore said to him, Be quick, and cease from this chattering and impertinence, for I desire to repair to an entertainment with my friends. But when he heard the mention of 
the entertainment, he exclaimed, The day is a blessed day for me. I yesterday conjured a party of my intimate friends to come and feast with me, and forgot to prepare for them anything to eat, and now I have remembered it. Alas for the disgrace that I shall experience from them. So I said to him, Be in no anxiety on this account, since thou hast been told that I am going today to an entertainment, for all the food and drink that is in my house shall be thine, if thou use expedition in my affair and quickly finish shaving my head. May Allah recompense thee with every blessing, he replied. Describe to me what thou hast for my guest, that I may know it. I have, said I, five dishes of meat, and ten fowls, fricandoed, ten grilled chickens, and a roasted lamb. Cause them to be brought before me, he said, that I may see them. So I had them brought to him, and he exclaimed, Divinely art thou gifted, how generous is thy soul, he said, there is still the wine, I have some, I said, and when he told me to fetch it out, I did so, he praised my generosity, but the incense and perfumes were wanting, I brought him, therefore, a box containing ned, and aloes wood, and ambergris, and musk, worth fifty pieces of gold. Then he recited, The child grows up to resemble his father, and the tree grows from its roots. The time had now become contracted, like my own heart, so I said to him, Receive this and shave the whole of my head by the existence of Muhammad wasallam. God bless and save him. But he replied, By Allah, I will not take it until I see all that it contains. I therefore ordered the boy, and he opened the box to him, whereupon the barber threw down the astrolabe from his hand, and seating himself upon the ground, turned over the perfumes and incense, and aloes wood in the box, until my soul almost quitted my body. He then advanced and took the razor, and shaved another small portion of my head, after which he said, By Allah, O my son, I know not whether I should thank thee or thank thy father, for my entertainment today is entirely derived from thy bounty and kindness, and I have no one among my visitors deserving for it, for my guests are Zaytun, the bathkeeper, and Sali, the wheat-seller, and Aukal, the bean-seller, and Akreshed, the grocer, and Humiyad, the dustman, and Akarish, the milk-seller, and Said, the camel-driver, and Suwaid, the porter, and Abu Makarish, the bathman, and Kasim, the guard, and Karim, the groom. And each of these hath a particular dance which he performeth, and peculiar verses which he reciteth. And the best of their qualities is that they are like thy servant, the Mamluk who is before thee, and I thy slave, know neither loquacity nor impertinence. As to the bathkeeper, he sings a magical song to the tambourine. Mother, I am going to fill my jar. He saith, If I go not to the feast, it cometh to my house. And as to the dustman, he is witty and full of frolic. Often doth he dance and say, News with my wife is not kept in a chest. The grain merchant, bringing to it more skill than anyone else, dances and recites, My lady, you hired mourner, 
you have given no short measure, stealing all hearts as people laugh at his antics. The street sweeper stops the birds in their flight by singing, and he dances and recites what my wife knows is shut in a box. He is an able fellow, smart and bold. In praise of his handsomeness, I say, my life is the ransom for a street sweeper who has roused my passion. Sweet-natured he is like a swaying branch. When time granteth him to me one night, my passion wore me away as it increased, and I told him, you have kindled your fire within my heart. No wonder, he replied, when sweeper turns stroker. And each of my friends has jests that another hath not, but the description is not like the actual observation. If thou choosest, therefore, to come to us, it will be more pleasant both to thee and to us. Relinquish, then, thy visit to thy friends, of whom thou hast told us that thou desirest to go to them, for the traces of disease are yet upon thee, and, probably, thou art going to a people of many words, who will talk of that which concerneth them not, or probably there will be among them one impertinent person, and thy soul is already disquieted by disease. I replied, If it will be the will of Allah, that shall be on some other day. But he said, It will be more proper that thou first join my party of friends, that thou mayest enjoy their conviviality, and delight thyself with their salt. Act in accordance with the saying of the poet, Defer not a pleasure when it can be had, for fortune often destroyeth our plans. Upon this I laughed from a heart laden with anger, and said to him, Do what I require, that I may go in the care of Allah, whose name be exalted, and do thou go to thy friends, for they are waiting thine arrival. He replied, I desire nothing but to introduce thee into the society of these people, for rarely they are of the sons of that class among which is no impertinent person. And if thou didst but behold them once, thou wouldst leave all thine own companions. Master, he said, I only want to let you enjoy the company of these people, men of good background, none of them being long-winded or inquisitive. From my earliest days I have never been able to associate with anyone who asks about what is no concern of his. My only associates are men of few words like me. May Allah, said I, give thee abundant joy with them, and I must bring them together here some day. If that be thy wish, he rejoined, and thou wilt first attend the entertainment of thy friends this day, wait until I take this present with which thou hast honored me, and place it before my friends, that they may eat and drink without waiting for me, and then I will return to thee, and go with thee to thy companions, for there is no false delicacy between me and my companions that should prevent my leaving them. So I will return to thee quickly, and repair with thee whithersoever thou goest. Upon this I exclaimed, There is no strength nor power but in Allah, the High, the Great. Go thou to thy companions, and delight thy heart with them, and leave me to repair to mine, and to remain with them this day, for they are awaiting my arrival. 
But he said, I will not leave thee to go alone. The place to which I am going, said I, none can enter except myself. I suppose then, he rejoined, that thou hast an appointment today with some female. I think that you have an assignation with some woman, otherwise thou wouldest take me with thee, for I am more deserving than all other men, and will assist thee to attain what thou desirest. I fear that thou art going to visit some strange woman, and that thy life will be lost, for in this city of Baghdad no one can do anything of this kind especially on such a day as this, seeing that the wali of Baghdad is a terrible sharp sword. Woe to thee, O wicked old man, I exclaimed, you foul old fellow. What are these words with which thou addressest me? You're hiding something from me. I know it, I'm certain of it, and I only want to help you today. And upon this he kept a long silence. The time of prayer had now arrived, and the time of the khutbah was near, when he had finished shaving my head, so I said to him, Go with this food and drink to thy friends, and I will wait for thee until thou return, and thou shalt accompany me. And I continued my endeavors to deceive him, that he might go away. I went on flattering and trying to mislead the damned man, but he said to me, Verily, thou art deceiving me, and wilt go alone, and precipitate thyself into a calamity from which there will be no escape for thee. By Allah, then, quit not this spot until I return to thee, and accompany thee, that I may know what will be the result of thine affair. I replied, Well, prolong not thine absence from me and he took the food and drink and other things which I had given him. But what the wretched fellow did was that he entrusted them to a porter to convey them to his abode, and concealed himself in one of the by-streets. I then immediately arose. The muidins on the minares had chanted the Salam of Friday, and I put on my clothes and went forth alone, and arriving at the by-street, stopped at the door of the house where I had seen the damsel. I found the old woman waiting for me, and I went up with her to the floor on which the girl lived, and lo, the barber was behind me, and I knew it not. I found the door open and entered, and immediately the master of the house returned from the prayers, and entered the saloon, and closed the door, and I said within myself, How did this devil discover me? And when I looked out of the window, I saw this very same barber, Allah damn him, sitting by the door, and I asked myself, How did this devil know where I was? Now it happened, just at this time, for the fulfillment of Allah's purpose to rend the whale of protection before me, that a female slave belonging to the master of the house committed some offense, in consequence of which he beat her, and she cried out, whereupon a male slave came in to him to liberate her, but he beat him also, and he likewise cried out, and the barber concluded that he was beating me, so he cried and rent his clothes and sprinkled dust upon his head, shrieking and calling for assistance. He was surrounded by people and said to them, My master hath been killed in the house of the Qadi. Then running to my house, crying out all the while, and with a crowd behind him, he gave news to my family, and they knew not what he had done, when they approached crying, 
alas for our master, the barber all the while being before them, with his clothes rent, and a number of people of the city with them. They continued shrieking, the barber shrieking at their head, and all of them exclaiming, Alas for our slain! Thus they had advanced to the house in which I was confined. Hearing the disturbance and the shouting at his door, the Qadi told one of his servants to see what the matter was. The man came out and then went back to his master and said, Sir, there are more than ten thousand people, men and women, at the door. They are shouting, Woe for the murdered man, and pointing at our house. And when the Qadi heard of this occurrence, the event troubled him. He thought that this was a monstrous business, and he arose and opened the door, and seeing a great crowd, he was confounded, and said, O people, what is the news? The servants replied, Thou hast killed our master, you damned man, you dog, you pig, shouted my servants. O people, rejoined he, what hath your master done unto me, that I should kill him, and wherefore do I see this barber before you? Night 31 Morning now dawned, and Shehrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the thirty-first night, she continued, I have heard, O auspicious Shehanshah, that the Qadi said to the servants, What has your master done that I should kill him? The young man went on. Here is my house standing open before you, added the Qadi, Thou hast just now beaten him with mikrahas, said the barber, and I heard his cries. What hath he done that I should kill him? repeated the Qadi, and whence he added, came he, and whither would he go? Who brought him to my house? Where did he come from? Where did he go? Be not an old man of malvoyance, exclaimed the barber, for I know the story and the reason of his entering thy house and the truth of the whole affair. Thy daughter is in love with him, and he is in love with her, and thou hast discovered that he entered thy house, and hast ordered thy young men, and they have beaten him. By Allah, none shall decide between us and thee except the Khalifa, or thou shalt bring forth to us our master, that his family may take him, and oblige me not to enter and take him forth from you, putting you to shame. Haste then thyself to produce him. Upon this the Qadi was withheld from speaking, his tongue was bridled and became utterly abashed before the people, but presently he said to the barber, If thou speak truth, enter thyself and bring him forth. So the barber advanced and entered the house, and when I saw him do so, I sought for a way to escape, but I found no place of refuge except a large chest which I observed in the same apartment in which I then was. I therefore entered this and shut down the lid and held in my breath. Immediately after, the barber ran into the saloon and without looking in any other direction than that in which I had concealed myself, came hither and then turning his eyes to the right and left and seeing nothing but the chest, he raised it upon his head, whereupon my reason forsook me. He quickly descended with it, and I, now being certain that he would not quit me, opened the chest and threw myself upon the ground. My leg was broken by the fall, and when I came to the door of the house, I found a multitude of people. I had never seen such a crowd as was there collected on that day. 
In my sleeve I was carrying a quantity of gold in readiness for a day or a crisis like this. So I began to scatter gold among them, to divert them, and while they were busied in picking it up, I hastened through the by-streets of Baghdad, followed by this barber, and wherever I entered, he entered after me, crying, They would have plunged me into affliction on account of my master. Praise be to Allah who aided me against them, and delivered my master from their hands. Thou continuedest, O my master, to be excited by haste for the accomplishment of thine evil design, until thou broughtest upon thyself this event, and if Allah had not blessed thee with me, thou hadst not escaped from this calamity into which thou hast fallen, and they may have involved thee in a calamity from which thou wouldst never have escaped. Beg therefore of Allah that I may live for thy sake to liberate thee in the future. By Allah thou hast almost destroyed me by thine evil design, desiring to go alone, but we will not be angry with thee for thine ignorance, for thou art endowed with little sense and of a hasty disposition. Art thou not satisfied, replied I, with that which thou hast done, but wilt thou run after me through the market streets? And I desired for death to liberate me from him, but found it not, and in the excess of my rage I ran from him, and entering a shop in the midst of the market, implored the protection of its owner, and he drove away the barber from me. I then seated myself in a magazine belonging to him and said within myself, I cannot rid myself of this barber, but he will be with me night and day, and I cannot endure the sight of his face. So I immediately summoned witnesses and wrote a document, dividing my property among my family and appointing a guardian over them, and I ordered him to sell the house and all the immovable possessions, charging him with the care of the old and young, and set forth at once on a journey in order to escape from this wretch. I then arrived in your country where I took my abode and have remained a considerable time and when ye invited me and I came unto you I saw this wild wretch among you seated at the upper end of the room. How then can my heart be at ease or my sitting in your company be pleasant to me with this fellow who hath brought these events upon me and has been the cause of the breaking of my leg? The young man still preserved his refusal to remain with us, and when we had heard his story, we said to the barber, Is this true which a young man hath said of thee? By Allah, he answered, it was through my intelligence, knowledge, and a sense of chivalry that I acted thus towards him, and had I not done so, he had perished. Myself only was the cause of this escape, and it was through the goodness of Allah by my means that he was afflicted by the breaking of his leg instead of being punished with the loss of his life. Were I a person of many words, I had not done him this kindness, and now I will relate to you an event that happened to me, and that you may believe me to be a man of few words, and less of an impertinent than my six brothers, and it was thus. The Barber's Story of Himself I was living in Baghdad in the reign of the Prince of the Faithful, Al-Muntasir Billah who loved the poor and indigent, and associated with the learned and the virtuous, 
and would sit with men of learning and virtue. And it happened one day that he was incensed against ten persons, in consequence of which he ordered the chief magistrate of Baghdad to bring them to him in a boat, they being thieves and highwaymen. The magistrate went out, arrested them, and sent them off in a boat. I saw them, and I said within myself, These persons have assembled for nothing but an entertainment, and I suppose will pass their day in this boat, eating and drinking, and none shall be their companions but myself. So I embarked and mixed myself among them, and when they landed on the opposite bank, the guards of the wali came with chains and put them upon their necks, and put a chain upon my neck also. Now this, O people, is it not a proof of my generosity and of my paucity of speech? For I determined not to speak. They took us therefore altogether in chains and placed us before Al-Muntasir Billah, the prince of the faithful, whereupon he gave orders to strike off the heads of the ten, and the executioner struck off the heads of the ten, and I remained. The Khalifa, then turning his eyes and beholding me, said to the executioner, Wherefore dost thou not strike off the heads of all the ten? He answered, I have beheaded every one of the ten. Allah forbid that I should only cut off nine after you had ordered me to cut off ten. I do not think, rejoined the Khalifa, that thou hast beheaded more than nine, and this who is before me is the tenth. But the executioner replied, by thy beneficence, there are ten. By your favor, said the executioner, there were ten of them. Count them, said the Khalifa, and they counted them, and lo, there were ten. The Khalifa looked towards me and said, What hath induced thee to be silent on this occasion, and how hast thou become included among the men of blood, you being an old man of little brain? And when I heard the address of the Prince of the Faithful, I said to him, Know, O Prince of the Faithful, that I am the Sheikh As-Samit, the silent. I possess of science a large stock, and as to the gravity of my understanding, and the quickness of my apprehension, and the paucity of my speech, they are unbounded. I have a large store of wisdom, and the soundness of my intelligence, the excellence of my understanding and the taciturnity are without bounds. My trade is that of a barber, and yesterday early in the morning I saw these ten men proceeding to the boat, whereupon I mixed myself with them and embarked with them, thinking that they had met together for an entertainment. But soon it appeared that they were criminals, and the guards came to them, and put chains upon their necks, and upon my neck also they put a chain. And from the excess of my generosity, I was silent, and spoke not. My speech was not heard on that occasion, on account of the access of my generosity, this being a simple matter of honor. And they proceeded with us until they stationed us before thee, and thou gavest the order to strike off the heads of the ten, it was a hugely honorable act on my part to share in their execution, and I remained before the executioner and acquainted you not with my case. But all my days I have been doing favors of this kind to people, in spite of the fact that they repay me in the most brutish of ways. 
Was not this great generosity which compelled me to accompany them to slaughter? But throughout my life I have acted in this excellent manner. When the Khalifa heard my words and knew that I was of a very generous character and of few words and not inclined to impertinence as this young man whom I delivered from horrors asserteth, in fact the Khalif laughed so much that he fell over, he said, Hast thou brothers? I answered, Yes, six. And are thy six brothers, said he, like thyself, distinguished by science and knowledge and paucity of speech? I answered, They lived not so as to be like me. Thou hast disparaged me by thy supposition, O Prince of the Faithful, and it is not proper that thou shouldest compare my brothers to me, for through the abundance of their speech and the smallness of their generous qualities, each of them experienced a defect. The first was lame, the second deprived of many of his teeth, the third blind, the fourth one-eyed, the fifth cropped of his ears, and the sixth had both his lips cut off. And think not, O Prince of the Faithful, that I am a man of many words. Nay, I must prove to thee that I am of a more generous character than they, and each of them met with a particular adventure in consequence of which he experienced a defect. If thou please, I will relate their stories to thee. The Barber's Story of His First Brother Know, O Prince of the Faithful, that the first who was named Al-Bakbuk was the lame one. He practiced the art of a tailor in Baghdad and used to sew in a shop which he hired of a man possessing great wealth who lived over the shop and who had in the lower part of his house a mill. And as my lame brother was sitting in his shop one day sewing, he raised his head and saw a woman like the rising full moon at a projecting window of the house, looking at the people passing by, and as soon as he beheld her, his heart was entangled by her love. He passed that day gazing at her and neglecting his occupation until the evening, and on the following morning he opened his shop and sat down to sew, but every time that he sewed a stitch, he looked towards the window, and in this state he continued, sewing nothing sufficient to earn a piece of silver. On the third day he seated himself again in his place looking towards the woman, and she saw him, and perceiving that he had become enslaved by her love, laughed in his face, and he in a like manner laughed in her face. She then disappeared before him, and sent to him her slave girl, with a wrapper containing a piece of red flowered silk, and the girl coming to him said to him, My mistress saluteth thee, and desireth thee to cut out for her with the hand of skill a shirt of this piece, and to sew it beautifully. So he answered, I hear and obey, and he cut out for her the shirt, and finished the sewing of it on that day. And on the following day, the slave girl came to him again, and said to him, My mistress saluteth thee, and saith to thee, How didst thou pass last night? For she tasted not sleep. 
from her passion for thee. She then placed before him a piece of yellow satin, and said to him, My mistress desireth thee to cut out for her of this piece two pairs of trousers, and to make them this day. He replied, I hear and obey. Salute her with abundant salutations, and say to her, Thy slave is submissive to thine order, and command him to do whatever thou wilt. He then busied himself with the cutting out, and used all diligence in sewing the two pairs of trousers, and presently the woman, looking out at him from the window, and saluted him by a sign, now casting down her eyes, and now smiling in his face, so that he imagined he should soon obtain possession of her. After this she disappeared from before him, and the slave girl came to him, so he delivered to her the two pairs of trousers, and she took them and departed, and when the night came he threw himself upon his bed, and remained turning himself over in restlessness until the morning. When morning came he got up and sat in his place. This time when the slave girl came to him, she said, My master summons you. When my brother heard that, he was extremely afraid. Noticing this, the slave girl reassured him, No harm will come to you, but only good, for my mistress has told my master about you. My brother was delighted, and after accompanying the slave girl, he came into the presence of her master, the husband of her mistress, and kissed the ground. The man returned his greeting, and then gave him a quantity of material, telling him to cut out a shirt from it and to sew it up. When he was asked what his fee was for this, he said, Twenty dirhams, and the husband called to the maid to fetch the money. My brother said nothing, but the lady made signs to him that he should take none of it. So he said, By Allah, I will not ask anything from you. After which he took his work things and went out. On the following day, the master of the house came to my brother, bringing some linen, and said to him, Cut out and make this into shirts for me. He replied, I hear and obey, and ceased not from his work until he had cut out twenty shirts by the time of nightfall, without having tasted food. The man then said to him, How much is thy hire for this? But my brother answered not, and the damsel made a sign to him that he should receive nothing though he was absolutely in want of a single copper coin. For three days he continued scarcely eating or drinking anything in his diligence to accomplish his work, and when he had finished it, he went to deliver the shirts. Now the young woman had acquainted her husband with the state of my brother's mind, but my brother knew not this, and she planned with her husband to employ him in sewing without remuneration and moreover to amuse themselves by laughing at him. So the next morning, when my brother went to his shop, the maid came to tell him to have another word with her master. He went with her and was asked by the man to cut out five mantles for him. He did this and left, taking the material with him. When he had sewed the mantles, he brought them to the man who admired his work and called for a purse. There was money in it, and my brother had stretched out his hand when the lady, standing behind her husband, gestured to him not to take anything. So my brother said to the husband, There is no need to hurry, sir. There is ample time. 
He then went out more submissively than a donkey, urging himself on in spite of the fact that he was suffering from five things. Love, bankruptcy, hunger, nakedness, and drudgery. So when he had finished all the work that they gave him, they contrived a plot against him and married him to their slave girl. And on the night when he desired to introduce himself to her, they said to him, Pass this night in the mill, and tomorrow thou shalt enjoy happiness. My brother, therefore, thinking that their intention was good, passed the night in the mill alone. Meanwhile, the husband of the young woman went to the miller and instigated him by signs to make my brother turn the mill. The miller accordingly went in to him at midnight and began to exclaim, Wearily, this bull is lazy, while there is a great quantity of wheat, and the owners of the flour are demanding it. I will therefore yoke him in the mill that he may finish the grinding of the flour. He came down to the mill, filled the trough with grain, and so saying he yoked my brother. Hup! he cried, turn the millstone over the grain. All you do is eat and leave your droppings and your urine. He then took up a whip and lashed my brother with it. My brother wept and cried out, but could find no one to help him and thus he kept him until near morning, when the owner of the house came and saw him yoked in the mill, and the miller flogging him with the whip, and he left him and retired. After this the slave girl to whom he had been contracted in marriage came to him early in the morning, and having unbound him from the mill, said to him, Both I and my mistress have been distressed by this which hath befallen thee, and we have participated in the burden of thy sorrow. But he had no tongue wherewith to answer her by reason of the severity of the flogging. He then returned to his house, and lo, the sheikh who had performed the marriage contract came and saluted him, saying, May Allah prolong thy life, may thy marriage be blessed, Allah give you long life. This is a face that tells of delights, dalliance, and night-long embraces. May Allah not preserve the liar, returned my brother, thou thousandfold willin. May Allah give no blessings to the liar, you thousand-time cuckold. By Allah, I went only to turn the mill in the place of the bull until the morning. Tell me thy story, said the sheikh, and my brother told him what had happened to him, upon which the sheikh said, Thy star agreeeth not with hers, but if thou desire that I should change for thee the mode of the contract, I will change it for another better than it, that thy star may agree with hers. He then added, Watch out lest they play another trick on you. See then, replied my brother, if thou hast any other contrivance to employ. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on coffee. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, please click on the link available on our many social media platforms or email us. Why not donate to our coffee to show your appreciation? Every bit helps and we thank you for your continued support. We love that our listeners love listening to us. Welcome to the vocabulary section for episode 23. First, let's look at some of the terms used in this episode. Ned, a perfume composed of ambergris, musk, and aloes wood, or simply ambergris. Zaytun, an Arabic name meaning olive tree. Sali, an Arabic name cheerful, cheered up, or in good humor. Alkal, 
Arabic name meaning expressive, harmony, or cheerful. Homemade, Arabic name meaning praiseworthy. Wali, the governor, guardian, custodian, protector, or helper. A Muslim holy man or saint. Muidin, a man who calls Muslims to prayer. Minares, also means minaret. A tall, slender tower, typically part of a mosque. Qadi. A Qadi is the magistrate or judge who also exercises extrajudicial functions such as mediation, guardianship over orphans and minors, and supervision and audition of public works. Magazine. Storehouse. Magistrate. A civil officer or lay judge who administers the law, especially one who conducts a court. Al-Muntasir Billah. Abu Jafar Muhammad, Caliph of the Abbasid Caliphate from 861 CE to 862 CE. His name means he who triumphs in Allah. Men of blood, violent men or murderers. Al-Bakbuk, a word that is supposed to sound like liquid poured out of a bottle or being gulped down. Sulit. An Arabic name means something that is worth it. Ikrisha, Arabic name meaning attractive. Sayyid, Arabic name meaning happy. Suwaid, Arabic name meaning dark colored or black. Qasim, Arabic name meaning generous or one who shares. Karim, Arabic name means generous or honorable. Khutbah, the Friday prayer sermon. Now let's look at some of the vocabulary used in this episode. Acquaint. Make someone aware of or familiar with. Importunity. Persistence especially to the point of annoyance. Impertinence. Lack of respect or rudeness. Conjured. Implore someone to do something. Expedition. Promptness or speed in doing something. Fricando. Meat that is braised or roasted. Loquacity, the quality of talking a great deal or talkativeness. Relinquish, voluntarily cease to keep or claim or to give up. Conviviality, the quality of being friendly and lively or friendliness. Laden, heavily loaded or weighed down. Rejoined, joined together again or to return to. Whithersoever means wherever. Endeavorous, try hard to do or achieve something. Rend, tear something into two or more pieces. Rent, a large tear in a piece of fabric or an opening or gap resembling a tear in a piece of cloth. Whence, from what place or source. Whither, to what place or state. Malevolence, the state or condition of being malvolent. Tither, to or towards that place. Disposition, a person's inherent qualities of mind and character. Wretch, an unfortunate or unhappy person. Persevered. Continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. Paucity. 
the presence of something only in small or insufficient qualities or amounts also means scarcity embarked go on aboard a ship aircraft or other vehicles apprehension anxiety or fear that something bad or unpleasant will happen unbounded having or appearing to have no limits assertive state a fact or belief confidently and forcefully disparaged regard or represent as being of little worth supposition an uncertain belief smallness the quality of being insignificant or weak defect a shortcoming in perfection or lack neglecting fail to care for properly salutation a gesture or utterance made as a greeting or acknowledgement of another's arrival or departure diligence careful and persistent work or effort remuneration money paid for work or a service moreover in addition to what has been said instigated incite someone to do something especially something bad wherewith with or by which contravance the use of skill to bring something about or create something conjecture an opinion or conclusion formed on the basis of incomplete information hastiness the act of saying or doing things in a hurry sometimes without necessary care or thought inquisitiveness the quality of being given to asking questions bridled shows one resentment or anger especially by throwing up the head and drawing in the chin readiness the state of being prepared for something taciturn reserved or uncommunicative in speech or saying little drudgery hard menial or dull work this episode has been written edited and produced by saf big thank you for listening I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful. Thank you for listening.